0: Welcome, welcome, welcome! This is your Vans. That's right, copy with Vans. Yes, yeah, today's Wednesday and nine PM, and I'm live, and you are live. I'm sure a lot of more viewers are coming on board. And yes, today's today our topic is what is colorectal. And yes, I mean now this topic uh, about colorectal we have never covered in copy with Vans, so it's really honored to have Dr. Chong I was going to jump in in a while. But before that, let's. Um, just give a little bit of introduction before a doctor comes in, right? Uh, welcome to today's podcast and I'm very, very excited to be discussing together with Dr. Chong uh, on the essential but often overlooked on this topic, right? I mean, like I said, for the past three years, we have not covered this. And colorectal health, according to stats, colorectal cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer. Nowadays, cancer is so scary. So we're going to ask a lot of questions to Dr. Chong as well about the awareness as well. So it's essential to learn more about the colorectal system and the measurements we can take to prevent and manage the colorectal health issues. Often, we have uh, instruction manual for cars, for fans, or computers. But you know, for human body, ah, that seems like we don't have uh, instruction manual. But we have Dr. Chong, the main guy to talk about colorectal, and he's the manual itself. So let's invite Dr. Chong. Hi, Doctor. Hey,
1: hi, Vince. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you for <laughs> joining me at Kopi Advanced, Doc. Um, it's a pleasure to have okay. you in my show. Thank you so much, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Doctor, before uh, we jump in, uh, maybe if you can just do a quick introduction by yourself, where you're from, and then we can just dive into the topic itself. Okay. okay.
1: Well, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm basically a colorectal surgeon, currently now working in uh, Mount Elizabeth Hospital. Uh, previously, I was from uh, National University Hospital, and prior to that, tandok Singh as well. So it's a privilege to be here to share about some things about colon care and colorectal cancer. And it's kind of like the thing that I do for, I mean, almost the entire 20
0: years, what what I've been training in. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, doctor. I mean, um, before our podcast, um, I took a, I mean, I'm not studying for MBBS, but uh, to gather some information so that i can have a great communication with you but you know it's a bit scary right uh about this colon cancer um i mean of course we're going to look at the signs and symptoms and we're going to talk a lot about it but it can be with someone and a perfectly normal and live a good lifestyle without any indication so this is a bit scary doc and also with looking at the stats um where are we right now in terms of locally doc
1: yeah well Colorectal cancer is the number one cancer in Singapore, actually. And uh, it is the most common in males and the second most common amongst females in Singapore. So you're absolutely right in that uh, it can be asymptomatic. That means when the patient has an early cancer, it's very likely they probably have very mild symptoms or some don't even have symptoms. And these are people who actually get picked up when they go for screening which is something that I think we will talk a little bit about later. Right. And uh, because it's so like insidious, and hence you, you find that there are a lot of media coverage in talking about how do we get patients to be screened and who should go for screening. Yeah.
0: And, um, Doc, I mean, uh, of course, we are going to go into the few questions to, I mean, to dedicate it to you to answer the best person here. Uh, but, you know, talking about that, uh, you know, uh those you know ga- not the yeah. gadgets yeah. but you have all these medical equipments that you use uh are yeah. they a bit scary? i mean to look at it you know <laughs> <Do> you <laughs> well it depends um, on who uh, is looking it. at it <laughs> Yeah. At a, uh, a, no. a, you have yeah, more yeah. devices and equipment so how does it look like or do you want to explain well, to us before we yeah. come into that
1: yeah well, the, the most fundamental equipment we use for detection of cancer is the, basically a colonoscopy, which basically it's this, like, long flexible tube that, that, like, goes up to the rear passage, you know. Okay. Uh, trying to censoring my medical jargon and words. But, okay. as you mentioned, okay. it's something that sounds pretty awful and uncomfortable, okay. but the actual fact is, actually, it's pretty much painless. Yeah. Right. The procedure itself is pretty simple. It takes, like, at tops, maybe like twenty minutes, or sometimes half okay. an hour, and yeah. it's done under like sedation, and and some actually go through with uh, anesthesia. Okay. But but there are patients who go through it without any medications, and they're perfectly alert, and still there's minimal discomfort and no pain. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so it's kind of like a very long tube, and it's okay. small. Yeah. All
0: right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? thank you for that doctor definitely you know, <laughs> Too uh, graphic, you, know? No? <laughs> uh, you know you know when we talk yeah. about this uh word cancer it's a bit very sensitive and also people are actually very yeah. worried uh what yeah. if i've you know they sometimes they you not know, denial you know trying to avoid a lot of screening And don't even look at current our government is actually pushing a lot for these screenings to be done you know yeah. early detection yeah. you know preventions yeah. and all that uh but of is course. it a fear uh, someone has it you know is is this wow. the reason why people don't want to come for screening
1: Okay, I think uh, the studies have also shown that there are pretty much a few main barriers towards uh, or rather against screening. There's all of right. course, the first of all, it's a denial. A lot of us actually feel that we'll be fine. And especially when you don't have any symptoms, you kind of feel that it's not you. Like cancer is common, but it's not going to happen to you. So that right. still feel, that still fulfills a large part of the people who do not come for screening. Right. The two is what you mentioned, the fear of knowing which actually happens more and more in the, uh, uh, I would say, the developed countries like Singapore, okay. and in US it's also pretty common, right. where, where maybe uh, people are more fearful about the burden of disease rather than actual mortality from the disease. Right. What kind of burdens do they come in? Financial burden, the loss of independence, the burden of uh, societal perceptions like some people feel that like oh no uh you will lose autonomy you will become dependent right. and there's also the i mean sometimes it's also the fear of uh, having the disease itself in terms of like right. you know you you're kind of like oh is your appearance going to change are you yeah. going to be very tired the quality mm-hmm. of life drops so these are the mm-hmm. common fears that that lead to barriers of not wanting to go for screen right? Uh, I mean, in Singapore, most patients, especially the elderly, because uh, they are still pretty much um, uh, not as educated. The, the 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 bigger burden is still the ignorance, la. They right. they kind of felt that like yeah, that no, it's not going to happen to them. Yeah, they felt that cancer is incurable. Right. And and that 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 becomes like, okay, so if I get it, I'm just gonna die anyway. So why do I go and find out? So that, right. that becomes another problem, the, the the problem of ignorance.
0: Yeah. Right, right. So this is so a those few are the three main there. things. Huh? Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Doctor. So these are the things that we're gonna ask you, right? I mean, um, like you know, prevention is always better, uh, screening hmm. is always necessary. Um, yeah. and, and also to 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 you know, psychologically, I think they've also been affected. Oh, I don't want to know about it. So, today yeah. we're gonna go into understanding about the whole about the colon that we, we want to talk about mm-hmm. because this is where you are an expert. Um, okay. blood in the stools, doc. I mean, um, that's, yeah. is it something serious that someone should concern about? Uh, yeah. you know, sometimes you know, we call the piles, or maybe mm-hmm. that could be the mm-hmm. thing, you know, or oh, it's okay, heaty. you know, some home remedy, you <laughs> know. <laughs> um, they think it's fine. I'll monitor for another two more weeks or three more weeks. Yeah. I'm gonna drink yeah. a lot of coconut, a ice water, and I'm <laughs> is this really a myth or is this something that we really should concern about?
1: Okay, okay, good question, Vance. And uh, I shouldn't be saying this, especially on live, but yeah, I'm all kind right. of like one of those people. So who I thought I may be heaty and <laughs> let me just yeah, monitor thought, yeah. for a while. Yeah. I think the, the the I think we have to know a few few things. Number one, actually bleeding in the stools is pretty common, right? Uh, And uh, it's estimated like um, 20% of people who actually uh, uh, have bleeding in stools do not actually uh, seek any medical treatment in the first episode. So that's like like very common because most people are like, okay, just watch and and, and live with it for a while. Uh, However, it is also reassuring that the fact that uh most people with bleeding nest uh actually do not have anything serious and the most right. common diagnosis is still pretty much like what you mentioned hemorrhoids pals, fissures right. which is like a 10 anus yeah uh and and those are easily treated with medication and sometimes you you kind of need uh just some modifications with your lifestyle I mean the constipation being the kind of the the most common cause and so you kind of need some softeners, a bit of increased fiber and water in your diet yeah and and you get better and once they get better and if it doesn't recur then 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 fine and good right you you don't really need to see a doctor so but when the symptom becomes recurrent when the bleeding uh, happens again and a lot of times if the bleeding seems what somewhat scary uh, that's when most patients will eventually turn up either seeing a GP, a polyclinic doctor, or, or coming to see a specialist. Because right. the bleeding can be quite torrential. The whole toilet bowl can be stained red. Okay. And, and, right. and that really frightens them like they're going to mm-hmm. bleed to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, yes, cancer can present with uh, bleeding in uh, blood in the stools. Uh, but there are other diseases that can present with blood in the stools, uh, right. like sometimes infection. Sometimes they have this autoimmune condition. Uh, and generally, uh, if those are the suspicion uh, mm-hmm. after the doctor sees, uh, a colonoscopy will then be advised. Right. Uh, who are the people that we are worried about these conditions? Actually, it mainly falls uh, in the people who are more or less 40 and above, right? More or less. Because cancer is just not as common in patients who are less than 50 years old and uh, if you talk about other causes of bleed again those are more common above 40 years old. Yeah. perhaps the younger age group uh, we, we are more concerned if the bleeding is uh, i would say uh, recalcitrant or if it really doesn't stop with any medical treatment and then those are the, also the kind of worrying signs or symptoms that we look out for and then we will advise them to go for a scope accordingly yeah
0: right you know, Doctor, along the line also, um, I'm mm. actually a regular blood donor. Uh, <laughs> donating, not, not through uh, the back
1: passage, right? No, just kidding.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, is, this is my plasma <laughs> I'm donating. Uh, you know, I got you there. But you know, okay. Doc, um, every time when they give me these uh, iron tablets, right, I really freak out. Yeah. Because when you go oh. for your poo, yeah, your yeah. poo is like the darkest colour because of iron. Yeah. Um, so is that something that one should be worrying about? Because some can be uh iron deficiency and then when they start taking in iron tablets, uh they yeah. see that these pool colors are like really dark and you know very yeah. you know not a very pleasant looking or rather yeah. not at all. Uh, what 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 is it? What should be one should be worried about that.
1: As in the color of the stools right did I hear that correctly? Yeah, that. yeah. So you know if it's fresh red blood, or you could say that it's probably uh the pathology is more in the anus, like piles or fissures. I mean, you can have cancer in that region also. But in general, if the blood is dark, like, you know, it's a bit more purplish. And and the other thing is that if they are like mixed with the stools, they're not really after your stools or on top of stools. Now, those are Mm -hmm. kind of the symptoms that makes you um, a bit more worried about a more uh, proximal. By proximal means that the lesion or the pathology is more higher up in the, the large intestine right. and that that usually warrants a scope la, endoscopy right, right. yeah um, so yeah in terms of color, nothing wrong
0: so there's nothing wrong to look at the pool after you do your businesses
1: oh perfectly that's what I do every yeah. day okay <laughs> yeah because you
0: know, most people don't do that You know, it's like hey I'm not watching some movie you know I know. I, think, I think signs I know. and symptoms right I mean you should know one should take care yeah. of their body right hey why are you looking yeah, at the pool yeah. I mean of course you don't tell everybody but I think you know, uh, yeah
1: yeah, this is the thing that uh, I always get reminded about. You know, the movie Jurassic Park, the very original one, yeah. yeah, where, yeah. the, where the guy just punched you right yeah. in, and then it's like, yeah. and you could literally tell what's going on wrong. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's like an analogy of like you know how our stools can be an actual reflection right. of how our inner life or our inner health right. is. So I think yeah. we should really be uh, mindful. Lah. I'm not saying Thank that you, you need to like stare at it or smear right. it on a microscope, right. but you kind of should know how it looks yeah. like.
0: Yeah, And also, Doc, I mean, see, we, we consume a lot of food on a daily basis, you know, we yeah. taking so much of food, in you know, a human life, I think the whole yes. life, I think we're taking tons of food. But, Doc, you know, the digestion <laughs> happens, you know, the enzymes, mm. the microbiome. Uh-huh. So there's so many things. Of course, we're not going to go into that. But, you know, like yeah. doing simple uh, observation, just looking at the stool or looking mm. at how hard it is, or maybe if you're not taking fibers, you know, I think regular... Mm observation is very important and i think like you know if if you find some signs and symptoms i mean one individual should definitely Mm. approach a dog to you know like professional yourself to 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 understand what exactly is going on me you know to Mm. prevent a lot of other issues right i mean we can um, prevent just by looking at it and looking at the symptoms um yeah i'm I'm going to go into the next question doc but before that i'm going to also ask a couple of other questions which is not for you Um, If let's say if one is diagnosed with a cancer, um, is there any chances that it can be uh, reduced or is it also a a game Mm -hmm. that depends what's going to happen, what will happen during Mm. the process?
1: Yeah, so in general, if you talk about like cancer treatment, right, it, it really depends on the stage of cancer at the time of diagnosis. Hence you know prevention is better than cure early detection is definitely better than late detection so yeah well you have this spectrum if you range from stage 1 to 4 where stage 1 you, you uh, a lot of people don't know it might be as easy as just getting the scope done and the tumor can be removed with the scope wow is that amazing okay. yeah and and yeah. no cuts no surgery no chemo no radiotherapy yeah. and because we see that see and and, and because as a as a physician, you're like, wow, that's that's what makes all this tech and right. uh education so meaningful. Because right. when you pick that up and you remove it, literally the next day, you tell the patient, like, you're kind of cured, you know, and you just wow. need to go for regular surveillance. And they're like, what? I actually have a cancer I never knew. And now it's yeah. removed and like, wow. Like, you know, things went up from one day and the next day, it's like, hey, it, it went back again. So yeah. that's, that's kind of like the amazing part. But as your stage advances and progresses to like maybe uh stage 2, stage 3, yeah. and again, some of the stage 1s that the tumor's a bit bigger, you can't really remove with the scope, then you can't do surgery. Surgery, surgery yeah. it, it remains the mainstay of, of treatment. You have to right. remove that part of the colon or the intestine, and then you right. try to then join back the, the other two ends of the intestine. Right when it comes to stage 3 and going to 4, then you got to add on, other than surgery, you got to add on like chemotherapy and some may need radiotherapy and it might be yeah. given before or after the surgery. So right. things get really complicated, especially when it's stage 4. Then it, it, what it means is that it has kind of like spread. Then you don't just have to treat the colon. You, you have to treat the other organs as involved, like yeah. the liver, the lungs, and, yeah. and things get really protracted. The treatment can be as as long as a year plus, and yeah. and of course you expect that the quality of life really comes down because you're not just subjected to like the pain of surgery, you're also subjected right. to like chemotherapy and all the side effects. Right? Yeah. So early detection is is really the the mainstay of trying to get a better outcome and quality of life out of all this. Yeah.
0: You know, Doc, in, in this point of uh, time that we are talking about this, uh, what is colorectal, you know, and yeah, also going into yeah. the colon, um, you know, the human body has so many organs. The liver, <laughs> the kidney, the, yeah. goal, the, the heart, the lungs, okay. the bones, the bone You know, but, you know, one could to do so many tests and so many... And uh-huh. our local government is always pushing, you know, go for screening, go yeah. for screening, and now you can yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the cancer. <laughs> no end and, to it. <laughs> yeah, no end to it. So, uh-huh. you know... Uh, what is important? Yeah. Which one to look for? Whether you should go for the heart or whether you should go for lungs or, you know, go for the... Yeah. Which is... Um-
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. So, okay, this is not like a government oh, speech, oh, but really yeah. it's... it's <laughs> I mean, Singapore's public healthcare is really good. La. It's it's solid. It's it's This practice is based on evidence. And if you look at like the, the leading cause of mortality and the burden of disease, I mean, chronic illness is still number one. So I'm not talking about cancer, I'm talking about heart attacks, yeah. diabetes, cholesterol. So if you want to choose one thing to do, please do that first. go to right. your GP, polyclinics, get it checked first. Cause that's I mean, that's really, really that common and and and, and you can do something about it when you're young you know it it includes like what you do events like you know get people to be motivated to train to 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 exercise you kind of like have to take control of your life at a young stage and and that itself actually also has bearing towards prevention of cancer because obesity is related to cancer Uh, I mean some would say that diabetes is associated with cancer and and by doing all this now healthy lifestyle measures like what healthy sg is about i mean that that i think will really go the longest way then if you look at all the different cancers i think we shouldn't be overly worried about all different types of cancers that can happen you're right there's like too many i can't even name everything yeah it's it's just and it's impossible to expect a a a comprehensive test that will test for everything because you're going to like test like a million people before you pick up the rarest cancer in the body and that's not really what screening is about so you will go for or one would reasonably say that you should go for the common cancers the the, the cancers that happen commonly so for for females it's breast cancers and you have cervical cancers that you do a pap smear and the breast one you do a mammogram for for guys it's really boils down to colon cancers where you do a scope likewise for females you should get a scope and then you have like prostate cancer, which is the second most common right now. Well, right, The statistics just for the last four years, uh, prostate second. So you kind of got that check as well. And that one you can check with like just uh, examination and a blood test. Right. Then you have the rest like lung cancer, stomach cancer, which unfortunately there's really no uh, great, you know, like way to, to test for them. But right. we have scans and we have stomach scopes so in those cases we kind of pick and choose what do I mean I mean that you choose the people with the higher risk factors to go for it you don't really need to screen the average population because that's like what you are mentioning it's just well it's cumbersome do I really need it I have so many things to do and that increase healthcare costs so you just need to pick and choose the right patients to go for like screening for the other cancers you shouldn't probably do it on a population-wide basis right right? and and that also like from the individual it will seems more manageable right Right. so chronic diseases first common cancers and and i think that's about it yeah
0: you know doc i mean um you you mentioned you know, all type of cancers. Thank you for that, for that great information. But also, is it, you know, uh, the, the the cells, our own cells are turning against us, right? Um, oh, wow. And of course, medical science is always trying to find out what is this happening every day. It's a new thing okay. and I'm sure you're also studying right now. Constantly studying. Uh, I think okay. doctors' education, there's no stoppages because It's always look very okay, serious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But on a serious note, um, even if you do like a blood uh, blood test, you know, check for your cancer markers, will that actually help? Like basic stool yeah, test, yeah, you know. Is, yeah. Do you think that is necessary, or even for uh, we talk about the colonoscopy? Uh, scopy, is it necessary so, to do it like yearly?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think I will speak from the colorectal cancer perspective, yeah. right? So, other than endosc- other than colonoscopy, you have stool tests and you have blood tests and then you have CT scans. Okay. So Come four on. different modalities. Right. Uh, to be clear, actually, the only ones that are recommended is the colonoscopy, the stool test, and maybe Mm -hmm. the blood test is not routinely indicated. In fact, the problem about the blood test for colorectal cancer is that it's not really that accurate. Mm -hmm. It can be normal in patients with cancer, but it can also be elevated in normal patients. Right. So it's like a double whammy. Uh, Why do we still do it? I think one of the main reasons is because there's there's not a really a better blood test marker for colorectal cancer yet. Right. Like you said, the evidence is uh advancing. People are looking at micro DNAs. They are looking at different types of biomarkers, but none of them are really you know proven to be as effective <laughs> as the others that have been mentioned. So which one is the most effective? I would say right. that colonoscopy is the most effective because it's the definitely the most accurate as well as the very fact that it could biopsies, it could right. you could take biopsies, you could take histology, you could take tissues on top of just picking it up. Right. So test is the most cost-efficient on the population basis because it's like not invasive, literally uh, you could do it for like many, many people and it's not as resource-involved uh, uh, as in right. it's, it's lighter on the national resources, right. but at the same time it's not as accurate. Right. And the, the thing about stool tests is you got to do it like every year. You If you skip a year, it actually lowers the accuracy when it's already not as accurate. Whereas the right. scope, the question that they had was that uh, how often do I have to do it? If you are an average risk uh, individual, means you don't have any family history, you are otherwise well, you don't have other cancers, you could literally do like every 5-10 yearly. Now, why is right. there a range? Because it really depends on what was the finding on your scope? If your scope have a polyp, then you probably have to do it five yearly. Uh, right. And if your scope is perfectly normal and it's mm-hmm. clean, our preparation is fine. It's like beautiful. It's clear. Ten years is actually the recommendation. Right. So that's mix. that actually makes colonoscopy like the first choice. And so the last modality you mentioned is like scans. So why not scans? Well, yeah. If you do CT scans, you kind of uh, need to do it with a bowel preparation as well, like the scope, because they right. need to pump gas in this colon
0: okay. to
1: see it clearly. And that can also be uncomfortable. So it doesn't mean the scan is actually less comfortable. In fact, right. it can be quite uncomfortable. And if you pick up something, you still need to go for the scope. So right. instead of doing one procedure, you're now doing two. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me, I think scope is probably the preferred choice amongst all the right, mentalities. Right, right. Yeah.
0: So we, we talked about, you know, whether is it comfortable, uncomfortable, painful. Or painful so, yeah. You yeah. know,
1: it's really, it's really not uh it's really no no uh, hoax here. Cause I, I went yeah. through my own colonoscopy yeah. and I didn't require any sedation. Oh, you and didn't? It was okay. Yeah, oh. it was okay. I was looking at the screen all the time. Uh, it's not that I don't trust my surgeon. My surgeon is right. good. It's just that, like, I kind of want to go through it to understand. Right, you. right, right. Wow. And I realized, yeah, it's you. You can feel a bit awkward because you can okay. feel something going through your insides, yeah. but. Yeah. It's actually not painful, painful. Any any sign, uh, a sign of
0: a ticklish, you know, of it with pain, you know, well, that could be the that one,
1: <laughs> that one we will talk separately on uh, off-air oh, okay. copy. Right right, like. right, 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 right. No, no but seriously, <laughs> like, doing the procedure, you, you're just yeah. lying on your side and you look at the okay. screen and you're fine. Right. And okay. a lot of times, but I still give medications to my patients yeah. because the fact that uh, one of the medications is uh, anxiolytic. What it means okay. is that a lot of patients, because if you have never been through it, you're like, you're fearful of the surroundings, anxiety. the lights. You, you don't know what's happening. Yeah, yep, the anxiety yep, yep. comes. So that really helps. Once they are calm, the procedure is over. Many of them, when they, they kind of like wake up, they're like, mm. oh, it's over. And they right, never but, thought that it was as simple as that. Yeah.
0: So it's also a, a bigger part of the psychology to come in, right? I mean, it is. You
1: of, it is. Because yeah, remember, you asked me what's the equipment, and you're like, you've never yeah. seen it. You imagine seeing yeah, it yourself yeah. for the first time, and you yeah. imagine that going through. Where you don't know where.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite
1: it's quite. I insane, cannot to that.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, we have already <laughs> talked about the uh, painful part. I mean, of course, you know, with yeah. all these sedations you have, and we talked about the blood in the stools. You know, um, yeah. we talk about the cancers as well. Um, but if let's say if one at a recent colonoscopy, uh, when should yeah. I do another one? You talk about five to ten years. So, yeah. Um, literally, if there's no family-related
1: uh, conditions.
0: Mm-hmm. So one should do at least 10 years once, right?
1: Yeah. So actually, these are all in the guidelines. And and you could okay. look for not just uh, local-based guidelines. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the updated ones are based in US and uh, UK. You can right. just look at those guidelines. And it, it's, it's categorized based on your so-called risk category. Right. So unless you find a big polyp or you have lots and lots of polyps, or you have findings that points towards a genetic or underlying condition we call as Crohn's or inflammatory bowel disease then those patients really need to go for like two yearly sometimes one yearly scope which can Mm -hmm. sound very excessive right because the truth is those patients do have a much higher preponderance or a risk ratio towards forming cancer so that's why right. they kind of need to be frequently evaluated, but right. for the common folk, and and, and that is like the ninety percent of all the patients that we see, right. you get one or two polyps. the The scope is clear. I I emphasize that the because the preparation for the scope, uh, you need to like drink this uh liquid to clear your the, the uh, yeah the system, uh, as long as it's clear and you just have like one or two polyps and all. Yeah, five years is the is the is actually the recommendation.
0: Wow. Right. Hmm. Oh, hello, Doc. Thank you so much. Uh, We're already at 34 minutes. I mean, for viewers who want to engage, yeah. Doc,
1: wow. on any <laughs> nice.
0: you can uh, talk about it. And we have a lot of uh, comments that's coming up. Zakaria, thank you so much. <laughs> Great topic indeed. Um, Mr. Arish has said very informative wonderful understanding that's right ah. um, you know Doug, we, we, we have a few more questions to go on and um, hmm. we, I, I mean I, I have a, a few questions for you as well um, okay. you know, but of course uh, you know what happens if someone is farting all day you know there are some people like literally they fart and fart and fart uh, you know releasing jazzes you know uh, one can measure how much he had farted for the entire life uh, probably the wife, or the <laughs> you know, I'm divorcing him because if that's uh, um is it is it um, um so called a uh, natural process? But if it's excessive, okay. what is excessive? Uh,
1: okay, so I think it's more of a social <laughs> problem than a medical <laughs> problem, to be honest. Um, okay. Just. Okay so excessive fat, though, it is not uh we call a red flag symptom it's not uh, that means it doesn't really point towards a severe condition like cancer or a, a a a serious condition right right uh but yeah it can be a symptom of uh what we call more functional related problems right uh, so one of the most more common problems is uh IBS which is uh, irritable, bowel right. irritable bowel syndrome, syndrome. yeah right. so that That kind of um, functional problems, though we call them functional because there's no like actual abnormal pathology or anatomy. There's no distortion, so to speak, about the person's normal uh, so-called makeup. Uh, But physiologically, that means the way that it works, the way they react to uh, environment and stimulus is different. So they are a little bit more reactive so they, they they actually can be a bit more hyperactive and that's why they can produce a lot more gas as well and so right. they tend to fart more often but right. that's like just one possibility of why a person can fart more often and it's and it being a syndrome it's actually not right. a serious problem it can be easily managed again with lifestyle and sometimes medication so i won't be too worried if i'm farting too much other than the. Also
0: about, uh, uh, mm. can I just stop yeah. you for a while? It's because yeah. of too much protein, right? Too much of lentils, okay. too much of so, protein powder. yes, in fact, so I just... was about to come to that. Yeah.
1: Correct, correct. Yeah. So in fact, um, more often than not is about what we eat. Yeah. So that's there's interesting research that comes about talking to uh about like um what's the microbiome
0: in the microbiome yeah. microbiome, yeah,
1: microbiome, yeah. right, and how that. Uh, microenvironment interacts differently between us, uh, the bacteria and also the kind of food that we eat. Because when we ingest, we don't just ingest food, we also ingest like bacteria as well. So that that, uh, environment uh, is, I would say, pretty extensively studied. And research has shown certain type of bacteria has a higher uh, predilection in patients with inflammatory conditions where they create a lot more uh, inflammation, that means cells that that go through wear and tear, the, like your white cells and things like that, and, and that right. can lead to increase in, again, with inflammation, you have swelling, edema, you can have gas, yep. and, and that can again uh, result in more uh, symptoms like sometimes even farting. So right. then where does it all lead to? It, it, it kind of, uh, we don't have the full picture yet, but what our understanding then becomes that if it is uh if you eat too much food that that naturally produces a lot of flavors lentils uh proteins and proteins. i would say sometimes high in sugar uh, okay. uh food that is processed they they will negatively affect the way that uh we handle them so having the increase in fat to me is not the problem but how in the long run that affects our gut function and how it affects our microbiome is what I'm more concerned about when I read all those papers about microbiome because I feel that I also believe I'm also one of the believers that I feel that that microbiome environment is uh, perhaps the missing link about you know we hear that some people they are they have a perfect lifestyle but yet they develop cancer to me, that's right. I feel that that's the misleading, and and you have people yeah. who have all kinds of risk factors like smoking and everything, and yet they seem to get away with everything right. in life. It, it, so you know, doctor, if I yeah. if
0: I could say something, um, I mean, of course, probably the medical yeah. science will not have an answer. Um, a, mm. a place that I go to, a particular condo, because to train someone there, a client of mine, uh-huh. that uncle probably is about eighty-nine or ninety, and constantly he's smoking like a train. And I was just yeah, like, myself, a chimney. yeah, gosh, I mean, do, I mean, what, I mean, what dog, is that, I know man. yeah, yeah, I know. It, 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 <laughs> definitely it's not going to be fair to ask you this, but I know you have yeah, studied yeah, yeah. doctor. Yeah, how is this possible, doc? I mean, 89 oh, years yeah. old, smoking and smoking <laughs> and smoking, alive and fit, which is, of course, we mm. we want the best yeah, for him, yeah. but another yeah, guy yeah. who's like 25 years old, myocardial mm. infarction and gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. where so, are we at human life? I A mean, bit deep, deep deep, deep yeah
1: They want to go into religion and spiritual. <laughs> I mean, All no, right. la, there's there's really no real answer in medical field. Right. Yeah. Um there, there's so many factors other than see, so far yeah. everything we discussed is almost like everything that happens in life, right? Like the the environment, the food, even the yeah. microbiome. But we also haven't explored much of the genetic. Right, so we know that it's an interaction, right, between what genes you have and what kind of right. environment exposure, and, and again, that's like another big puzzle, right? That's like, right. if you look, there are also products in the market that look at like sequencing your whole genome. You know, they right. also want to right. look at whether you are more susceptible to certain. I mean, less than five percent of the that whole right. entire ge- genetic mapping right. is actually known for what it really does. That's that's at least the current understanding so so it's an enigma right it's an enigma that uh, how do people actually uh, form the phenotypic expression of the interaction between uh, genes and environment so really it's not easy to answer that question for the uncle who is blessed god bless him i hope that he stops smoking sometime. at least save some money and but for the unfortunate ones where yeah Yeah. they're young especially i mean this part this much we know if you Of, uh, if you're Indian racial uh, ethnicity, have a high risk of heart attack, that's unfortunate. And they really get attacked when they're young. And it's like, oh, so all the more, they have to be really careful about that chronic disease management thing that we talk about. Yeah.
0: And, um, and a dog, I mean, uh, if you can just shine some light here, uh, as I was reading some related journal, um, even for, let's say, we talk, you know, some, we are now very close to, you know, this, your topic, the colon. Hmm. Even colon hmm. cancers, right, uh, it can be in present in someone and the person can be fit, uh, running a marathon and lifting weights and, you know, healthy lifestyle, nice body and kind of stuff. But probably it's already as it and it's been yeah. developing to one, two and three and probably just waiting to flack up. It's, well, it's, by then, it's like too late, yeah. isn't it? Well,
1: wow. it, although it seems really scary and it yeah. has happened before, I have patients who belong into that category uh-huh. Um, well they're they're not they're not that common. La. Yeah. I mean if the person is really that uh active in life, right. uh you you'll be surprised. In fact, that's how I think nature has its own laws and regulations. Because right. when you use when you're constantly stressing out your body,
0: oh, yeah.
1: you have a lot of reserve, but at the same time you're more sensitive to changes right. in your lifestyle. Right. Uh, so I mean I was in Korea for my like advanced trainee fellowship. Uh, yeah. and at and, and that point in time because I, my family is back here and I was there for a good solid a few months by myself and mm-hmm. I had a very regimented life the food I eat the time the things I mm-hmm. do and, and my mind bowel habits was like on the clock and I think many people who experience that will understand that how eh, when something change it's like oh, eh, something is not wrong it has always been like this and suddenly it has changed for no reason and that's why for people who are very active, they tend to be more sensitive towards like small changes in their life. Like, oh, I, I don't usually feel so tired after I run 10 kilometers, but mm-hmm. now I can't even go like 5 or 6. And you ask yourself, what's happening? And that could be because you are losing blood from a right. cancer and so you're right. anemic and so you actually present then with those kind of symptoms. So what I'm offering is more of a hypothesis. It's not... It's not true i have really seen patients as unfortunate as you mentioned but right. uh, the patients who tend to have a healthier life the saving mm-hmm. grace is that they can potentially come in at the earlier stage and the other thing that is uh, also true is when they come in because they have a better physiology they can withstand the the side effects right. of the treatment better so they right. also have a possibly uh, a, a a likelihood of a better outcome for, from the treatment for the cancer so I think the, the the end point of that is still to encourage. Be active right. as much as we can. I mean, do the things that we can help ourselves. Right. A lot of other things that we can't, we, we just have to leave it to God.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Doctor, how long have you been in Korea for?
1: Uh, Korea, how long? I mean, it was about, like, a duration of about eight to nine months, uh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's let's test yeah. some Korean words, right? How do you say hello? No way. That was not in the script, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know it, it's a bit of the script, but it's something like anyong asio or something other.
1: 안녕하세요, 여러분. There you go.
0: We right? yeah. yeah. see you have it in you. Thank you for that. I just want to test some of the Korean. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, we, okay. We we have a viewer right here, uh, Zakaria, yeah. a very uh, fitness into. Thank you, uh, Zakaria, for that particular question. Okay. Does excessive burping? Relates to IBS. Wow. Well, or more is it like uh, a reflux? Yeah. Well,
1: it's it's a yes and no, lah, unfortunately. Yeah. It's like it's like standard doctor answer, right? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh let's talk about the yes part. Because in general, it's uh it usually affects mainly the lower uh intestine, uh less so of the stomach and all.
0: So actually right. most
1: of the gas, is actually more in the center abdomen and, and lower part of the abdomen. So they they tend to go from bottom rather than up. But uh, because there's a lot of overlap between uh, IBS itself and other functional uh, conditions. So I've seen patients where they have functional IBS, okay, they have IBS, but they also have like functional dyspepsia, which then affects the stomach as well. And so they also burp a lot. Uh, In general, uh, I I would say in the same breath as as IBS, uh, such symptoms are generally not red flags, not to worry right cuz i mean generally most patients who come is their main concern is that, is this cancerous is this something serious at all so excessive yeah. burping isn't right per se but if uh if it's really related to a diagnosis like ibs then it can be treated right uh uh whether it's lifestyle or some medications are pretty effective especially for burping uh are usually something that you could get even with your gps if not your specialists can help you with it um one of the things about burping is that because it's not just a function of gas and gut movement it can also be be other reasons like uh what we have this nerve called the phrenic nerve that that, that actually uh innervates our diaphragm so right. like a lot of times you know if you if you get stimulated and all then you get like hiccups and that right. is like we like, just uh, 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 and you just like mm-hmm. burp all the time see and and sometimes it's important to differentiate between these two because i actually had a patient who felt like he was burping but he was actually getting a lot of uh, diaphragmatic mm-hmm. uh, irritation because of the phrenic nerve mm-hmm. problem and that, that is like an entirely different host, host of uh, right. a <laughs> diagnosis altogether right. yeah so i hope that uh, that answers your question that you shouldn't be too worried about it it can be related to ibs but if it affects you enough please see a doctor sometimes you may not know that it may actually points towards other things as well
0: yeah right you know to all the viewers here in following copy events i think it's very important that we need to understand the body that we live in uh i mean <laughs> doctors you know like dr chong or many many other doctors who have came to copy events i think they are studying right now even though they are like 40 45 uh <laughs> even like dr. Chong is still studying and you know to understand the body it's not just like you know someone have a reflux and think oh you know i'm just going to the market and there's so many products we're not going to mention the names. I'm just going to take that and then <laughs> drop it into the water, and I teeny, teeny, teeny and then drink it. Oh, I'm done. But then the symptoms or the sign doesn't leaves you and stays with you, and then yeah. they do self-diagnosis to themselves. Say, hey, you know what? One week later, two week later, like you know, then you know, the body is trying to communicate with us, but unfortunately, yeah. we are not sinking ourselves to make sure that hey, you know what? Let's go and check it up. You know, let's what you know, let's do what is necessary that Mm. um Mm. i think doc i think a lot of us are not doing that it's a great comment it's a
1: a great comment uh but as much as i I, like hate to admit it but doctors actually don't know a lot of things like you know half the questions that you ask me is like we kind of have a hypothesis going on there but we may not actually know what is the best fit and right and but but gaining that control as an individual is still important, right? Everyone should know roughly when is it important to see a doctor. I think that's number one. Uh, You don't have to read theses or medical books for that. You could even just, you know, get a very simple consultation with a polyclinic doctor or GP and and that's it. And and just pay attention to the advice that doctor gives you. And usually, you'll be more or less on the right track, right? Right. The second thing about then owning that control and the responsibility is really uh I, I would say is you know do what's sensible. You know, if if right. if that symptom has bothered you for some time and you kind of like notice that it's a pattern between right. some things that you do, like right. taking too much alcohol or it is right. drinking or it's smoking, then you know, right. you should start with that first, la. You should start with right. that first. Yeah. Because it, it, you know, though, that, that uh, helps a lot. Yeah
0: like what you have mentioned right i mean the basic thing is about screening and even like uh, we mentioned and stressing this a lot our local government is just pushing in a lot for the screening as as low as possible and you know but unfortunately a lot of us like what you mentioned the psychology behind that is what if i don't want to know the answers everybody just want to live in the denial uh but you know a lot of stuff if it can be detected earlier wow i think we can prevent or you know Mm. don't need to go through that you know emotional rollercoaster situations Uh, I'm going to take one more question from uh, this particular viewer and then after that we can wrap it up because uh, there's a long day tomorrow as well Um, so Mr. Harish has asked uh, Doctor, could you share your thoughts on understanding on reflux functions causing heart to pump more oxygen to make it weaker?
1: wow that's a very specific question i'm presuming <laughs> that that came through either a medical journal or some yeah. doctor's okay. advice okay right so okay so reflux functions okay i'm trying to dissect it i presume right. it's stomach reflux uh, acid reflux uh, right. that goes from the stomach right. up now causing the heart to pump more oxygen to make it weaker now that part i have not i've not connected these two before to yeah. be honest yeah. uh because uh when you get acid up in the throat, they can get cough and they can present with like persistent cough, and they can also have sometimes sometimes because of that cough, the bad, the, the bad sleep at night and things like that. Right. And then they can right. actually exhibit with very bad like inflammation in the throat. Uh can it worsen the heart? And I I mean I I literally have not heard of that. So, again, I think this is just re-emphasizing what I just said. As doctors, we don't know everything. Uh, It might come true uh, in some funny literature. Uh, I think the best is to then check with a cardiologist Cardiologist, and see whether that's the precipitance of your, like, I mean, what you call them, palpitations are pumping faster. Um, But usually, the commoner causes that I know as a colorectal surgeon (laughs) Right about what causes heart to pump fast is generally like either related to your hormones or related to some poor perfusion to the heart or medications that you're on. So again, I'm like kind of like thinking whether it is the medication you use to treat your stomach that can cause that. And again, nothing specific comes to mind. So unfortunately, right. I, I don't think I know the link for that. I hope you get your answers from a cardiologist. Uh, if not, I, maybe we can discuss this if you have a specific article or journal that you have you can bring it to me and i can have a read and i can tell you what i simply think about it yeah okay. you know
0: doc i know um we, we we just planned it for 30 minutes but believe it or not it's yeah 50 minutes,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> amazing and and we're still like like 10 and we're still energetic okay that's exactly it's fun. you know yeah it's thank been you fun much.
0: Uh, to Look all the viewers on. who are watching this, uh, please do share and like, and this is basically because someone, your friend or your loved one, may need it or may just get that awareness pumped up in them. You know, like we, we we always been talking about this. You know, if our local government is hearing this, they probably they will give us a clap because we are pushing screening, 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 screening. <laughs> you know, that's what it's all about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dog, you know, you won't believe it, right? Just a couple of days back, I was seeing the local news, right? They were talking about screening. For Singaporeans, oh, yeah, go. Uh, go, go, go.
1: And in March, this month, yeah. is a corrector cancer awareness month. Yeah. There so you should sure to about in. to see
0: it more. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Thank you, Doc. Cool, and man. if you're watching you so this much. or hearing this, please do share and like. And you can also listen to our podcast anytime at Copy with Vance in Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, Dr. Thank you so much for spending your fifty-five yeah. minutes. I know every minute of yours is very precious because you could spend time with your family. <laughs> no, no. Same. That you choose, you choose to be at Copy with coffee advance, but it's just that you didn't have your coffee. But we are going to catch up for coffee, right? Okay. We of definitely course. need to catch up for
1: coffee. Anytime, yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me know and then We're going to talk
0: about the offline thingy that I talk about the ticklish, <laughs>
1: the itchiness. The itch- <laughs> no,
0: you know, some people are just sensitive, right? they might worry how you know, oh, it's tickled but some might be just worry about pain and, and, and about I know how to
1: and... say that for you as well oh, no,
0: no 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 all right doc, <laughs> I think i got to lock you off already soon okay. uh, thank you uh, we got hey, so much a so um, lot of messages coming in thank you Arish thank you Zach thank you Esther and Sinita thank you so much for all the messages coming in thank you so much Dr. Chong and um, we're definitely going to stay connected and grab that coffee Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Bye. Take care.
0: So that's Dr. Chong. And uh, I think I had a very great conversation with him and to understand the human organs in ourselves. But you know, if you really talk about it, right? I mean, most of the time we fail to understand how our organs operate at least the basic functions all Right? we don't want to go into it and understand how the enzymes or how the blood goes through or what it contains and what kind of parameters we're looking at but the basic understanding but um on a on a on a side note all right not from the medical part but more on the spiritual part or even in in to be blissful or to understand what's happening i think we fail to understand the inwards and probably you'll be hearing this from me very often because i always say that we always need to be in synchronise what our body is communicating with us right every single damn thing not damn every single thing it's telling us but we we are often you know giving a deaf ear right um and then we we, we delay we give ourselves excuses you know um, I think that's because of psychologically, we are worried, you know, what if it happens to me, you know, we often stay in denial and we expect perfect life. Uh, unfortunately, life is not such and we often fail to understand what is our body is telling us in earlier detections and that's why we look at these signs and symptoms, all right. events uh, is going on for the third year right now. Um, every Wednesday at 9pm and so many doctors and surgeons and even doctors like Dr. Chong um, spend their valuable time coming in and giving us talk and joining with me and we, our viewers. We hope this information actually gets out, out there to everybody or most, to the most and you know, to understand right, just to our awareness, you may never know, you may need it, your loved one may need it, you never know all right. Um, today is a great topic, uh, I really enjoy it, I'm sure you have really enjoyed it as well Colorectal health is a critical aspect of our overall health and well being. You know, whatever we're eating, you know, all these digestions happening, you know, can you imagine how amazing our body is? And we hope this podcast has helped you gain a better understanding of the colorectal system, right? With Dr. Chong from the Mount Elizabeth Hospital, ACK Surgical Practices. And it's essential to speak with your healthcare provider, like what Dr. Chong has said, if you have any concern about your colorectal health. Uh, Thank you you very much for tuning in today to our podcast, and we hope you find it informative. And this is your host, uh, just that uh, you're not seeing me with cold pee. Unfortunately, lots of water, you know, you need to hydrate yourself. That's very important. I always mention this in my talk sessions. Hydrate, 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 all right? Your body is constantly dehydrating it without you realizing. If you are feeling thirsty... And if you are drinking water, well, you are probably in dehydrated. So always, today no kopi, you know, just all water. So drink up and we will come back again on Wednesday 9 p.m. And uh, this time, yes, I'm going to give the teaser video will be coming up very soon. A very, another interesting topic that's coming up next Wednesday 9 p.m. One of the doctors is joining us from a well-known hospital. Um, thanks to the particular hospital which I'm going to mention in the next few days Uh, we are going to do a a podcast there as well in the hospital and thanking Advance for the topic that's going to come in it is copy Advance this is your host and I'm going to catch you soon in the meantime be good and stay healthy stay fit and most importantly stay safe this is your Vance signing off adios amigos (music)